Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. Welcome to the show. I am your host, L.B. Muniz, and this is the Been Awake Podcast for Better Sense Making, and you are listening to a portion of episode 86. So if you missed the last episode, this is the new show format. I'm going to be doing live streams a couple of times a month. You can join those for free and watch the entire two hours, three hours, whatever we end up doing together, asking questions, participating. You know, let's bounce ideas off of each other. In this episode, I'd go through a bunch of stuff. And if you want to get the full unedited episode, all you have to do is become a member of the Been Awake Elite. But in episode 86, we talk about Mexican Independence Day in Chicago, Gavin Newsom making the climate crisis simple, Matt Walsh versus Pearl Davis talking about red pills and, you know, these new ideas about marriage some people have, Lauren Boebert getting caught getting with a little hanky-panky at a date at a Beetlejuice Broadway show, the military's moral imperative being abortion, Trump talking abortion on Meet the Press, about a little bit about RFK and how he loves America, the new Senate dress code, dumb, a dumb, and then a bunch of dumb videos. My la- the last little bit is a bunch of dumb videos, like something dumb Charlie Kirk said, something dumb someone said defending communism, and then this dumb guy that I saw on X taking a sledgehammer to his shotgun. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Make sure you subscribe with your email at beenawake.com and follow me on all social media. Let's get into the episode. Speaking of politicians, there's been a couple of things recently that that I think we're gonna we're gonna tie a few we're gonna tie a few things together in this statement. We're gonna start by remind by um we're gonna start by a story that just happened recently. And it's the Senate dress code. Apparently, so, so if you don't know, according to the Constitution, according to the Constitution, there is a, um, according to the Constitution, the Senate and the House can make up their own rules every single time. And anytime there's a new Senate, anytime there's a new House, they have to vote on the rules. And part of those rules is, has been a kind of dress code. And the um, Senate is relaxing. The dress, and so let's 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 watch this hit from CNN that I got here about it's this dress report. code. It's informal dress code, which has required members to wear business attire. I think kind of like this, right? Right. All right. So true to form lately, the Senate's pretty divided over it. Yeah, Democrat John Fetterman from Pennsylvania, perhaps unsurprisingly, yeah. he's known for his hoodies and shorts, says he's grateful for the update, but. He says he doesn't plan to come to work dressed down too often. Now, some Republicans, they are not too keen on the uh, change here. You have Senator (laughs) Shelley Moore Capito. There's Fetterman. She called the update terrible. Senator Chuck Grassley said it, quote, stinks. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy weighed in with it. He said it's embarrassing. And Susan Collins joked, and I love this. She said, (laughs) I plan to wear a bikini tomorrow. Senate Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell was asked about it today. It is an interesting state of affairs. 
isn't it? Where we find ourselves. Growing up, somebody born in the 90s, growing up I was told that the Senate was one of the world's greatest deliberative bodies. And now this is what they want. Now this is, now this is a national news story. So I, this, this, so the, the, the title of this piece that I got here is opinion. Why I changed my mind about the U S Senate's relaxed dress codes. And remember with stuff like this, this is meant to mold like anybody who's writing, especially op-eds, they're trying to mold your perception of the world. That's what I'm trying to do with this show. Right. I'm trying to I'm taking information and I'm presenting it to you in such a way to, at least in my mission, help make better sense of these things. So I guess before we even talk about this, why let's let's just wonder together why this is even a story. Well, because they elected this guy Fetterman, who has a thing of wearing hoodies all the time, at least in part. Why? Because there's a cultural trend against standards and decency. Why? Because leftism is about removing all boundaries from things. Maximal liberation, maximal egalitarianism, everybody's the same, and nothing is above anything else. I adopt a certain aesthetic right i care a lot about aesthetics and how you dress and things like that and i like to look nice i have a i have a nice collection of suits but when i do this show i tend to just do it in my standard what's become sort of a standard black henley is a look that i go with a lot why because minimalism makes things easier it you know it it takes out a lot of guesswork out of things and it's a nice clean look that works in many environments but were I to appear before the Senate or any sort of, or anything where I was going to do, you know, I, I would, I would dress up. I would at least wear a jacket. And I think it's good to expect more of people in positions of power. Now, some people would talk about how, you know, the death of the suit is the death of society, that casual culture is a problem, that people look ugly. And that's not true. What's kind of funny, actually, is that a suit, like a traditional suit, can actually hide your, um, it's, it's actually very, for, for men especially, it's a very flattering piece of clothing that even if you don't have a great, a great physique, you can still have an appealing line. I don't think the same is actually true of people who wear athleisure or who wear hoodies and baggy clothes all the time, right? Because there's no clean lines in, in something like that. So let's read this piece from CNN. Over the weekend, we learned that the Senate's that the U.S. Senate's 100 members will no longer need to adhere to their business casual dress code. So it's not even business formal; it's business casual. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said in a statement that quote There has been an informal dress code that was enforced. He added that now senators are able to choose what they wear on the Senate floor. I will continue to wear a suit. Initially. The author of the piece says, I pearl clutched a bit. The thought of no dress code in the Senate sent me into a spiral on the idea of decorum. I imagined a Senate floor littered with people in sweatpants and cutoffs, which I just knew would undermine the seriousness of their work. I imagined elected officials milling around in cargo shorts and Carhartt sweatshirts, a.k.a. what John Fetterman calls Western PA business casual, 
or wearing their pajamas to a vote. I thought about how this green light to dress down would devalue the importance of this legislative body and their responsibility to American citizens. Then I realized my worries make no sense. Remember, this is, so this is what you're supposed to believe as a good member of the cults of American democracy. Style is ever-changing and politics are ever-evolving and attire is getting more ca- casual as an age-old complaint. When we think about a choice like the change to a dress code, it's important to see it in its larger context. Over the years, other dress code changes have occurred in the Senate without disaster. In 93, female senators were at last permitted to wear pants. In 2019, the, the Senate stopped enforcing a rule that, per, that permitted female senators from bearing their shoulders. That dress code could have been used to feminize and disempower women throughout history as news to no one. Look at the images of the Senate over the year it shows the evolving fashion for male senators too, from waistcoat and tails to the to the suits and ties of the earliest 21st century. There are recent instances we can point to when senators have cast votes in far more casual attire. Uh, Senator Cruz apparently did it in basketball shorts. Burr was never famous for wearing socks. And of course, there's another one who has a loud whatever. These choices are political as much as they are sartorial. Cinema, for example transmits through her clothes that she is an individual independent, which also reflects her party indif- affiliation independent. Fetterman in his Carhartt shor- shorts, Carhartt and shorts evokes his truth as a man of the people. Historically speaking, dress codes are a way of marking social hierarchy and with respect to politics have always been a way of making a statement. When George Washington was inaugurated, he wore a plain brown woolen suit of American manufacturer. The choice, a clear rebuke of the aristocratic British traditions from which his new nation had successfully revolted. His suit, simply put, was a political choice. In our current political landscape, politicians of color have spoken out about how dress codes do not reflect their identities and, in fact, force them to conform to a white man's version of decorum. There it is. In 2021, Rhode Island State Senator Jonathan Acosta... So, we've now jumped from the U.S. Senate to a state Senate, who is Hispanic, spoke about a proposed dress code in the Senate calling it an act of oppression. White-collar white people, he said at the time, noting he prefers not to wear a blazer and tie. He added that by dressing in that expected uniform, he came to realize what I was doing is reaffirming to all the black and brown people, uh, black and brown poor kids that I was teaching that in order to be successful, you had to try and look an approximate whiteness as much as possible. Earlier this year in Tennessee, there was a state representative that was reprimanded for wearing a dashiki, a traditional Western African garment. And in in New New Zealand, a Maori leader was removed from parliament for refusing to wear a tie. Dress codes are late to account for these differences in tradition, custom, and identity. Generally speaking, they enforce the standard of whiteness, a conformity that conforms those traditionally in charge. Looking once more at the current change to the Senate dress code, it has been met with outcry mostly by Republican lawmakers. A letter sent to Senator Schumer, by, uh, Senator Rick, led by Senator Rick Scott, and signed by 46 Republicans, urged him to immediately reverse this misguided action. Earlier this week, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas called it a sad day in the Senate. Blah, 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 blah. While it wouldn't be my express preference for all senators to sport their most casual ensembles on the floor, the realization I came to, and the realization you're supposed to come to as well, dear, dear citizen, is that my express preference doesn't really matter. Politicians are in the image business and are very well that clothing sends a message. If a member of the Senate wants to wear a suit, great. If they choose a dashiki, that's great too. A dress, I'm all for it. Largely speaking, if what the senators are wearing is our top concern, then we are certainly not focusing on the most important part of their jobs. This is 
this is simultaneously a story that is really frustrating to deal with because it is so inconsequential. So the real, the real meat to try and find is whether, well, is whether, is whether this speaks, this really does speak to something broader within society. I do think, as I said before, there's that general leftist impulse to remove all obstacle to things. I don't think that a, that a, that, that a more casual society is a better society. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing a suit. To the extent that it's white is really only a talking point that works on leftists anyway. But it's not. It's European. You go to different parts of the world and different dress is, is considered completely acceptable in a formal event. But there is something to conform. There is also something to conformity. And this isn't about being particularly loud or ostentatious with your dress, but having, but dressing in a way that is considered appropriate for a certain level of business. This is the greatest kind of story to create the sideshows that make up the cult of American democracy. Should we care? No. It makes them look like more fools than it does us. You should care about how you look and the image that you present. And to the extent that that's done, to the extent that that has anything to do with what's going on in society, it makes you the better person. Where to next, people? Let's spin the wheel of stories that might be worth talking about. Oh, this, you know, okay. All right. We got two more videos and then we'll wrap up for today. This is, um, all right. This video came out at the beginning of the month. I have no idea where he's speaking and I'm uh, Charlie Kirk. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but man, I got to take you to task for this video that's coming out here. It's a 50 seconds, 56 second clip. And it's, um, it's, it's this bizarre. And when I say bizarre, I mean, bizarre rationalization of marriage and the, and the way people dress. There's a reason why the dress for the man is the same at a wedding and a funeral because you're saying good. Okay. The, the reason why is because it's considered formal wear and they're formal occasions. Men wear men, that. That's why. Bye to your previous self. The woman is the, the icon, the symbol of beauty, almost always in all white, right? Ascendant. A man is usually... The woman's in white because it's a traditional symbol of purity and beauty, yes. In black and white, like he's attending somebody's death. No, no. Black tie is considered a formal level for the highest things. That, that, that's where it comes from. Because it is his death. It's, it's not his death. No, but think about it. It's the death of the bachelor mindset. It's the death of promiscuity. It's the death of the wandering eye. It's the death of immoral behavior. It's the death 
of texting girls casually. It's the death of I get to do what I want to do. It's the death of just going to the bar with friends. It's the death of acting like an infant. It's the death of playing video games till 1 a.m. And it's the birth of a man. There's a reason why. I don't even know. I, I thought I would have more to say on this, but God damn, that's just awful. Now, there's a fun little twist he does there, right? But we're just going to skip that. That was horrible. Let's let's try this one. Somebody, uh, tries to, somebody tried to find Do you identify as communist? Yes. What is the value of communism? Uh, orienting government and the economy for the public good. Yeah, but I think I think that's like in the economy uh, uh, orienting government and the economy for the public good. That's okay. Yeah, think... but I think I think that's like uh, an oversimplification. Well, or idealistic. Simply, simply, that's what it is. I mean, I think. Uh, I think that uh, I think that any communist state that takes form in America is going to have communist values or American values. Rather, it's going to be based on the history of our country, the Constitution. Uh, I think it would be a Christian communist. Oh, so this guy's just dumb. OK, Phew. man, I was starting to think that he was serious here for a second, but this guy's just dumb state. And I think that we can learn a lot from China and from the Soviet Union. But you look at China today. Their, their economy is outpacing ours. It's going gonna, it's gonna to beat ours totally probably within the next five to ten years. You know, Europe is going down. The U.S. is going down. China lifted 845 million people out of poverty in the last 40 years. I think that we shouldn't be China, but I think we can learn things from China and the Soviet Union and other countries that have done it successfully. What a ridiculous assertion. It's so devoid from history. It kind of it kind of speaks to well, it speaks to so many things about where where discourse is currently and why and why a show like this is helpful. Hopefully, because that has nothing to do with communism. That's some like nuevo chic communism. Anybody, everybody understands. Anybody who knows history knows that the Chinese liberalization is that the Chinese embrace of capitalism, the fusing of capitalism and, and and communism, is what led to at least one paper the explosion in in Chinese, uh, in, in 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 Chinese prosperity. But people also know that that's kind of bullshit. It's very. I don't know. I don't think I was kind of expecting a little bit more of a uh, <laughs> a little bit more of a defense there, but. Apparently not. Let's do one more and then we'll get out of here. This one is another quick little, there's, you know, we're, I'm going to roll through a bunch of quick little, that's, that's what we'll do. I got a bunch of like quick reacts from stuff. I want to show you guys. This one was kind of funny. Um, so this guy says in his tweet that he says in this tweet that, he is uh that he's an army veteran and he's sick of all the guns in texas so he's starting with mine and if we watch this video together he racks his shotgun this is a very symbolic act right and it's a very interesting way to try and dismantle a firearm and i don't think he actually does anything but he takes a big sledgehammer and he hits it This is something I've talked about this before, 
But there's this there's this weird thing we do now that we have cameras and social media where we're always doing this performative dance and we're putting it out for the world to see. And so this guy just one night set up his camera, took a start, started a video and hit a shotgun of his with a sledgehammer as a statement against gun violence in America. It's very it's very funny to me the way people the way people see these things. Very funny indeed. All right. I really appreciate everybody checking out this episode. Um, if you enjoyed it, do me a favor. Go to binawake.com, subscribe with your email address, and uh, we'll see you next time. Muñiz, and I am not one with the woke.